We are so glad y'all are here with us. We have, I hope everybody brought their fire blankets this morning because our guest speaker is going to be dropping some fire. It's almost a son of thunder message, and I love it. So get ready for that. We're so excited. Um, before we get started, with everything going on in the world today, the events that are taking place overseas, Pastor, what's amazing about this is several weeks back before these events started, Brother Eric brought a message about in 2 Chronicles 20, 21, where Jehoshaphat, the kingdom of Israel, is being, was under attack by other kingdoms. Remember, we all joked and there was laughter in the room when he said, we're under attack, send the singers out, send the musicians out, right? Ahead of the army, send our musicians out. In 2021, it ends, the verse ends with, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And that's what the musicians, they kept repeating and shouting and singing and praising the Lord. And it says in there, when they did that, God himself set up ambushes to thwart the enemy. So on a show of solidarity to our family overseas, and what they're dealing with right now, we're going to do something this morning, right before worship. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. And with the loudest voice you can, y'all are going to reply with, for his mercy endures forever. All right. We ready for that? We ready for that? <laughs> awesome. Praise the Lord. Mercy endures forever. Amen. As we move into this worship. Talk about the other form of worship and our giving, our tithes, our time, and our talents. Three ways listed. The fourth is the boxes up front and the boxes on the way out. Thank you guys so much for being here. We love y'all. Who is ready to worship our awesome God? Amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being here this morning as a family. We do not need anything else, just you. In the highs and lows in life, Lord, when we're facing those trials and tribulations, Lord, the peaks and valleys, Lord, you answer the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Everything, Lord, Creator God, King of kings, Lord of lords. We proclaim you all those names, Lord. We love you, and we thank you, and we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Super, super excited for our guest this morning. Uh, just like the past couple of weeks, as Pastor Eric would say, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> I will have to ask him when he gets back, though, if he uh, set it up this way. Because you know, the first week we had Brother Jeff bring a message, and he's clean-shaven. <laughs> then Pastor Gurley came in, and he had a little scruff. And then Pastor Jordan came in, and he had a little bit more and all leading up to this, before Eric left, I, I, I'm a jokester. So I went and bought a bunch of beards. <laughs> and I was going to come up here and put one of these beards on, and I tried to talk the worship team into doing it, but they didn't want to do it. So I thought, this is the week. They came in. This is the week. I asked Ingrid, okay, who's next? And she told me the name. And as I always do, because I'm nosy, or could be my past in law enforcement, I researched or investigated, <laughs> and this dude's got a beard longer than Eric's. 
So I was like, well, I guess that's money well spent. I guess I'll give it to the girls and let them play with the beards. But with that, this morning we have an awesome guest. I warned you earlier, uh, he is a modern-day son of thunder. <laughs> I listened to one of his messages last week. It pumped me up, and then he brought it uh, a different message this morning, but the same tone, and it is awesome. So just get ready for this message. Uh, he is senior pastor at Cross Point Church in Tyler, Texas, and I am pleased to introduce to you Pastor Jonathan Ellison. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you fall on this place, Lord. Just uh, Holy Spirit, come in here and just sweep up and sweep out anything that is not of you. Uh, Open our hearts, open our minds, give us spiritual ears and uh, give us spiritual eyes to see and hear the things that you want us to see and hear. I ask for peace and comfort over my brother here. Uh, He is in a safe place, a house of the Lord, and uh, everything that he's going to say, Lord, we know is coming directly from you. And uh, we thank you for his servant heart and his obedience for coming here and and, uh, attending to the flock while our pastor's away. We love him and we thank you, Lord. We love you. We say these things in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And this is like, it's like being at another home. This is awesome. I I love the fact that we serve the same God. His spirit is everywhere. And we are just in communion with him. And I, I, I already love this house. I love your pastor dearly. He is a good friend of mine, and uh, we've known each other for several years, and he's like, I'm going to get you to come out and preach. I'm going to get you to come out and preach. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then the one time we finally get it done, he leaves. (laughs) So I was like, okay, all right. So uh, whatever happens, it's on you. So So I heard we had the first service, you know, that's the the service at 9 a.m. They're dedicated to get up early. Now, I heard that this service is, you know, the 10 o'clock, y'all a little bit more rowdy. So it's okay to be a little bit more rowdy and uh, get excited. And uh, we're going to have a good time this morning. But let me just tell you, I love your pastor. Your pastor, yes, a lot of people will say he's a good man. But let me tell you this about your pastor. He's not just a good man. He's a godly man. And he knows the Lord. He loves the Lord. And he loves you. And I'm thankful that you are a church that allows him to have the opportunity to go and rest so that he can be the best that he can for you when he comes back and for the Lord. And I'm telling you, he'll be fired up because I just got done with the sabbatical and uh, my church makes me take one every year and I come back fired up and ready to go. So uh, y'all are going to get a little bit of that this morning. Amen. Well, we're going to jump right into this, and uh, I want to talk to you about a changed heart. And we're going to jump into the book of Romans in just a moment and read from there. But a changed heart is what we need in this, in this culture today. And I know this for a fact. The only way that we're going to have a changed heart is from this Word of God. And I know this about your pastor. He believes as I do. That this book is God-breathed from the front to the back. That it is the inspired Word of God. And there are a lot of churches out there today that don't believe that. They are picking apart the Word of God. And they are using just pieces of it to try to prove points. And try to prove what they want to, to prove. Like, oh, they pick things apart and try to make God be Mother God. 
Well, that's not true. He's Father. He's a Father. He's, a, he's our Heavenly Father. But there's so many things going on. I believe in what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. We love that one, right? And training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. Everything that we do. Because everything that we do needs to be as a Christian. And we live in a society, in a culture, where we have been broken up so much that we are Lutheran Christians, we are Baptist Christians, we are Methodist Christians, we're non-denominational Christians, we are progressive Christians, we are woke Christians, we are gay Christians, we are non-denominational Christians, we're charismatic Christians. And we have a term for all this. But see, none of that is true. We're Christians first. Stop trying to tell us what we're this type of Christian and putting us in a box. We're supposed to be Christians. When people come to me and they tell me, what type of church are you? I'm like, I'm, we're the ones that like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, in, in, when they put you on, on Google, they, they, they have to put you in some kind of category. And I just, like, I'm, I, like, I just want to be in the category that says, we, like, we love Jesus. We're going to do what he says. We follow Jesus because he said, follow me. Not follow progressive, not follow woke, not follow charismatic, not follow. We're supposed to be Christians following him. But we're not going to get there until we actually have a change of heart. Because we're growing up in a culture that has categories for everything. And we've got to break through those. We've got to knock those down. And going through Romans is a great way to do it. And I love Paul because Paul doesn't sugarcoat anything, and I don't either. It's awesome. Warren Worsby says, if a Bible student wishes to master any one book of the Bible, let it be Romans. An understanding of this book is a key to unlocking the entire Word of God. In our church, we just accomplished something that we'd never done before. We went over a year of studying the book of Romans. And we went through verse by verse. Never done that before. Freaked me out. But as we did it, I learned so much more. And then I was able to teach so much more. And I was able to mess with people's lives so much more. It was great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're going to do it every year. I mean, it's awesome. But no, it, it, it's just a, it, 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 but it really does. It opens your eyes to more of the Bible and what God is doing. It's fantastic. And we need this because the honest truth is we have a society that wants to rebrand everything. We have a culture that wants to rebrand church, wants to rebrand what Jesus. You don't have to rebrand Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And the enemy is out to steal our view of life and our culture and our church through what this modern term that he's thrown out there, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this term, but it's a very modern term called fluid morality. And fluid morality is just a path to the dark side. That's all it is. Because what fluid morality teaches is, well, today, here are my morals. Tomorrow, not so good of a day, so I'm going to change my morals. 
Well, the next day looks a little different than this day did. So I'm going to change my morals again. And I'm going to change my morals to fit me. Because I'm what's important. And so we start changing our morals, fluid morality, and we start changing and changing. And Jesus is over there, and all of a sudden we realize that we've walked so far away we can't even see him anymore. We've got to make sure that we're focused on him so that our heart is focused on him because our heart will never really change until it's focused on him. And God's not asking us to have a, a hardened heart or a heart that's just directed towards ourselves. Our heart is supposed to be directed towards him and he will direct it to you, people. That's what we're supposed to have. And I don't know if you know, have heard this saying or not, this is a saying that I absolutely cannot stand. It has been used. It's in the church. People in my church used it and until I said this, and then they've stopped using it. And when I walk by, they, I could catch them right in the middle of it, and then they shut up. <laughs> but I cannot stand this term. And it's, you do you. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Anybody ever said it? You are not raising your hand. Look at you good Christians. <laughs> Y'all are so holy. <laughs> but I cannot stand it. Why, do, why, why can I not stand that? You do you means you do whatever you want to do, and it doesn't matter how it affects the next person. It's all about selfishness. And if you roll over on somebody, big deal. If it hurts somebody, big deal, because you're doing you. And fluid morality says that that's okay. But it's not okay. We have to be careful. And it has wormed its way into the church so much that the heart of the, of the big C church, a lot of their hearts have changed. And it's not towards God. Let me, let me give you something that, it broke my heart when I heard about it. And I don't know if you've heard this, but the United Church of Christ just had a big vote. And they had this vote, and, this, and they had this proclamation made to their bylaws, a little amendment to their bylaws. And they voted on this, and I want to read you what it is. And it says, the text affirms the right of all people to access reproductive health care, including contraception and abortion. It further proclaims that forced birth is an act of sexual violence and the choice to have and care for children is a sacred decision which should not be forced upon anyone. So the, what they're doing is they're making this proclamation on abortion as health care in the church. And they want to help people have abortions and use the church tithes and offerings to pay for it. And the proclamation passed 611 to 24, with 13 abstaining. It means there were there was 13 cowards that didn't vote. Where's our heart? Because you know Jesus is not going. Oh yeah, I'm for the slaughter of my babies. What's our heart been turned to? We have a fluid morality that has 
made its way into the Big C Church. And I can just imagine the tears of God coming down when the people decided this. We have to be careful where our heart's at. The scripture I want to give you is Romans 2.29. And it says, No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a spirit with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Right? If we're going to have a changed heart, let's have a heart that has the high standards of Christ. The problem is we keep lowering our standards. You can see it in our school systems. Well, they just didn't quite meet the requirements, so we're just going to dumb it down a little. We're not just, I mean, they're having a hard time, so let's, let's just keep lowering things. And all these other kids around the world are going, yeah, do that. If you've ever been overseas, especially in Europe, you know that all those kids over there, like when I visit there and I do mission trips, those teenagers know four to five different languages. We're doing good on Texan. (laughs) Because if you cross over to Louisiana, we don't know what they're saying. We have to have the heart of Christ or else our standards are going to change. Our standards are not supposed to change. We're supposed to be directing people towards the standards of Christ. That's our job as Christians. One day I was at a gas station putting gas in and this guy came up asking for money. Anybody ever had that happen when you're pumping gas? They're like, they see the target and they zoom in on you. And so I had a guy come up to me and he's like, man, I just need $30, $40. And I said, well, well, I had to fill my gas tank up, so I had time to spare. So I figured I'm going to make this a full conversation. <laughs> so I said, so what do you need the $30, $40 for? Where are you from? He's like, well, I, I need it for my kids because they're hungry. I was like, why are your kids hungry? And so I started asking him all these things and and uh, he's like, well, I said, where are your kids? Well, they're in the car. It's 105 degrees. Why are they in the car? Why, are they, why aren't they out here with you? You know, I just started asking him all these questions. And as I, I was, my pump finished, and, but I was still asking questions because I just wanted to mess with him. And so as I'm talking, I hear this voice come around the, the pump on the other side. And this voice looks at him, talks to him, and says, what you need that money for? And I turn around, and there's this lady. She's about this tall, but you can tell, do not mess with her. <laughs> what you need that money for? And he's like, well, I got to feed my kids. And she looked right at him, and she goes, well, then get a job. <laughs> you go, Dairy Queen right there. There's Taco Bell, and McDonald's is hiring down the road. Get a job. like this lady (laughs) all of a sudden his heart was revealed and he swelled up and he started cussing her out started telling her where she could go 
start, called her every name in the book that I will not repeat here because we are in a holy place. I mean, it was ugly. It was bad. But you could see the manifestation coming out. And he started approaching her, and I got right between him and her. And I said, you need to stop, and you need to go. Get out of here. And I'm not talking to the person. I'm talking to what's inside the person. You need to walk away. As soon as I said that, he looked right at me and went, and walked away. And I looked at her and I went, you okay? And she go, he ain't got nothing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and she go, uh, I looked at her and I'm like, you, you're, you sure you're fine? Yeah, baby, I'm fine. And she go, you must be a Christian. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She go, we got to stick together. I was like, yes, ma'am. Like, I want you in my church. Come on. <laughs> she was awesome. But when we challenged, what happened? The true heart came out. Right now, the church is being challenged. Are you going to be a church that stands up for Jesus or are you not? Who are you going to be? Because we've, what we've become is a church with the heart of judgment. Because we live in a culture of judgment. You don't believe me? How many TV shows do we watch where you call in and you judge what's going on? And we laugh like Simon Cowell because he makes fun of all these people. At least I do. But we've become a society that's being taught to judge people on everything that they do. We watch all these shows. We call in. We make judgments on, well, who's better than here? And who's better than this? And who can sing here better? And who can do this act better? And who can do it? And we're constantly in this place of judgment. So when you go to work, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be judging people. Maybe... Instead of judging the person that doesn't do as good of a job, maybe as Christians we're supposed to come alongside them and help them become better. Maybe instead of judging people, whether they're at work or school or whatever it is, maybe we're, as Christians, we're supposed to come along and say, hey, you know what? I see your heart. I see you're trying. Can I help you? Maybe we need to change the way we do some things. Stop living in this society and culture of judgment. For some reason, we've decided to accept criticism as a virtue in our life. And that's not true. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. So we've got to stop judging people. We've got to start loving people. Paul loved people enough to tell them the truth. And Paul came along people and lifted them up. That's what he did. But our culture of judgment, this is what, when we become, and we jump into the culture of judgment, this is what happens. It builds pride, not humility. It doesn't just, uh, it, it places us in a label of good or bad people, but we're supposed to be godly. It justifies mistakes and refuses to call it sin. It brings conflict, not peace. Division, not unity. Works, not grace. It beats down and doesn't build up. 
It deflects instead of owns. And in a lot of Christian circles, it's become okay to gossip or lie and slander, but just don't smoke or drink while you do. See, as Christians, we're supposed to be coaches, not critics. That's our job. And if we walk around with a heart full of criticism and judgment, anybody ever met one of those people that you even go to church and you're just like, ah. You see them coming and you're like, oh, I don't want because they're very critical. And if you've never had that, it's probably you. <laughs> I don't know why people leave me all of a sudden. Maybe we need to do some reflecting. <laughs> the truth is, it's always easier to talk about others' evil instead of addressing our own. Always. But we're supposed to be coaches, not critics. And I love being a coach. I was a coach for eight years. Coached basketball, volleyball. I love basketball. In fact, I I love this, this town because I lived here for one year. I got to play basketball at TVCC for one year. And then I left. Got a better offer. <laughs> what was your better offer? They paid for school. That's all, that's all it was. <laughs> but what are we coaching? What are we criticizing? What, what are, where are we, where's our heart at? Romans 2.9 says, There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Ladies and gentlemen, if we remain in a culture of judgment and criticism, there will be trouble and calamity. Look where we are right now. We have decided to, we have jumped in and bought in to the changed heart of let's pull out, let the church pull out of the government. As a Christian, your job is to be a Christian first. And that affects everything that you do. That affects your thought process, that affects your heart, that affects your vote. I can say that. I'm the guest speaker. I'm leaving. So, <laughs> but it's true. Well, I, 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 don't, I believe that there's a separation of church and state. Well, that's a whole lie. Yeah. It's actually a total lie. It's been twisted. It's twisted truth. You know, the enemy was real good at twisting truth. He even tried to twist it with Jesus. That whole separation thing is twisted truth. That whole separation of church and state thing is supposed to keep the government out of churches, but it's supposed to keep the church in the government. Because we need to be led by God. And we have a government that has refused to let God in. And now we have, we've allowed as the church to be pushed out of schools. We've allowed ourselves to be pushed out of society. We've allowed ourselves to be pushed out. And what do you think is going to happen in just a few years? They're going to keep pushing the church to close. In fact, in California right now, and I, first service didn't get this. This is just a little add-on for you right here. Um, in California, there's a bill being proposed. It won't, won't pass this time. But it's going to pass at some point because they're going to keep putting it through. But there's a bill to pass right now that they are going to start sending people into churches, meeting with pastors to censor their message. 
you have to submit the message to them in order for them to okay it, then you can give your sermon on Sunday. Not in Texas. Lock and load, baby. (laughs) With the word of God. What are y'all thinking? It's all right, I carry. So, all right. But if we don't, if we hold if we hold on to that judgment and criticism, we're gonna be in trouble. But here's the enemy of judgment and criticism. It's patience and kindness. I'm pretty sure that those are some of the fruit of the Spirit. In case you've forgotten what the fruit of the Spirit is, Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and our absolute favorite is self-control. We love that one. Romans 2.10 says, but there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. So we need to understand where our heart's at. Where is our heart? And understand that God is the judge. God is the judge. He alone gets to judge everything that we do. So we need to lay it down, and we need, we need to start loving people. We need to, uh, we need to understand what, pe- what people are doing and not fall into the sin. Hear me? Don't fall into sin of what they're doing, but don't take your love away from them. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Pray for them. Well, I just can't be around them. Well, pray for them until you can be. It's okay. I've had to retreat from some people in my life. They weren't good for me. But I prayed up, and then I was able to go back stronger and I could be the standard and the, help them reach that standard instead of them just staying here. I could help coach them instead of criticize them. And our, our goal is to make sure that we are living kingdom down lifestyles instead of hell up lifestyles. That's our goal. God is the judge. None of us are going to die and stand before a mirror and give account to ourselves for everything we've done. Why? Because we let ourselves go. We, oh, well that, we're going to justify that. Oh, that's okay. No, we've got to stand before the Holy One. Well, none of us are perfect. Nope. But we are, we're all covered by the blood. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Whew. Let's not be those those type of Christians. That's called a fake Christian. If you're going to put a label and a word in front of it, that's a fake Christian. Let's not be that. Maybe we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves this. Am I a good person? Okay. But am I a godly person? Because I want to be a godly person. And the only way we can get there is to have a heart for the fear of the Lord.
The fear of the Lord will strengthen you and it will sustain you. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. The fear of the Lord is everything. It protects you. The fear of the Lord will also give you a heart of patience. And it will give you a heart of kindness. It will give you a changed heart if you'll allow it to happen. We've all got dirty hearts. But we all have a God who's taking care of us. He's not afraid of your dirty heart. So why are we afraid of other people's dirty heart? Let's be a coach and not a critic. When I was in Nicaragua several years ago, I went to this orphanage and there was this little boy. His autism really bad. And, uh, and he would just grab you by the hand. And he had been beaten and all kinds of things growing up. He's only like nine years old. And so he was walking around the whole campus, and he'd lead you by the hand, and he'd take you to these places, and you just, I mean, you, he'd just lead, and you're just, okay, well, wherever we go, this is what we're going to do. But he always had his right hand clenched, and I was like, well, maybe it's just an autistic thing. I don't know. And so he was leading us around, and finally he brought us around to the laundry room. And I don't know if you know this about the water in Nicaragua. But you don't really want to hang around and have any of the water in Nicaragua get into you because you will have a really bad night. In fact, you get really sick probably for a few days. It's not pretty. It's not good. A lot of bacteria, a lot of dirt, a lot of stuff in it. Well, he got there and he took his hand, fist over the water and he opened his fist up and he had this little golden heart that went on like a necklace or something. It was cheap. But he had this little golden heart, and he carried it around everywhere. And he looked at me, and he smiled. And what do you think he did? He dropped it, he dropped it right into the water. And I went, ugh. And he just looked at me. I was like, you want me to get my, stick my hand in there? <sighs> okay. So what I do? I stuck my hand in there, gave it to him. I'm like looking for other cleaner water to clean my hand off because I know it's dirty. And he looked, he grabbed that heart and he held it. Oh, he's so happy. And he held it back over, opened it up, and he dropped it again. <laughs> Did this about five or six times. And I'd pick that up. And I put it in his hand. I was starting to get frustrated. I was starting to get angry. I was like, why am I doing this? And finally, I put it back in his hand like that. And he dropped it one more time. I pulled it out. And I looked at it. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, I do this for my children every day. Their hearts are dirty and nasty, full of bacteria, full of things that are not of me. And I clean it and I give it back to you and you just throw it back in. But I'll always be there to pull it out. Some of you this morning, there may be some things in your heart that I've had been lingering. This stuff's been lingering for a long time. This pain, this bitterness, this anger, this hurt whether it's church hurt, whether it's hurt from a spouse, whether it's hurt from a failed marriage, whether it's hurt from a parent who was abusive, I don't know. 
but you've been carrying it around. I'm here to tell you, God's here to pick that heart up. And when he grabs that heart, he puts it close to his. And he's going to clean it off and he's going to put it back inside of us. Let's not dirty it up anymore. Some of you, we need, to, we need to give our hearts. Even though we're Christians, we need to give our hearts to him and let him clean it off. So Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you are doing. Lord, I ask that you, we would have changed hearts for you so that we can love your people the way you've asked us to do it. Don't let us walk around in bitterness and judgment. Don't let us become a people of criticism. But Lord, let us have a changed heart for you. Lord, we love you. And I pray for every person in here as they give their hearts and they give them back to you as they cry out to you that you would just clean these hearts, Lord God. And take these, this pain that they've been carrying away. In Jesus' name, amen.